chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. If you need it, uh, it's also in the uh, worship book that you can download if you have not yet from uh, our website. Uh, Fleming Rutledge, if you remember, started off our consideration a few weeks ago in the Advent season when she said that Advent begins in the darkness. It's kind of a curious statement, something to think about, something for us often that is lost on us in a season of lights and joy and celebration. But for the follower of Jesus, Advent begins in the darkness. And even though that's true, as we've been looking at Jesus through this Advent season, we realize that Jesus is the light who comes and penetrates that darkness. He comes in and overwhelms the condition, the situation, this event, this context. And it's because something happens at the first advent. Something so fundamental, something so fundamental shift that I think sometimes we miss truth, that God became flesh. This event, this truth, this shift was so fundamental to our story, we cannot we cannot any longer fathom the God of the Bible without the incarnation. It is so grounding, so altering, so shifting for us. Everything we understand about the God of the Bible, all we've come to know and love about His power and about His grace, all of theology bears the fingerprints of the fact that the eternal Son of God became a human being, that God became flesh. This is why we make such a big fuss about Jesus this time of year. Because of who he is and what he did, he shifted everything. To be sure, God's character is eternal. That means that everything that he was, he has always been and he always will be. He will always be loving. He has always been loving. He has always been powerful and knowable and gracious. He's always been long-suffering. However, through the incarnation, each of these aspects of his eternal character take on new meaning and form. And in many respects, we're able to comprehend his eternal character in a way we never could have before. Do you see nothing of his character and nature changed, but there's something about the shape that he took through the sun that all of a sudden makes everything about who he is clear. This is why Jesus kept saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know him. Because everything true of the eternal Father is seen, demonstrated through the incarnation of the eternal Son. Specifically, as Esau Macaulay so perfectly noted in his article this week, his Christmas article in the New York Times yesterday, he said, the incarnation for the Christian remains God's great extending of himself all the way down so that even the lowliest who got there reach him. See, sometimes we get it twisted. We think Christianity is for those people who got their life on lock, who know what's going on in raising their children and doing their work and knowing what, even, what to do around April 15th with taxes. Like it's people who got their stuff together come to Jesus. The Scriptures tell us something else entirely. The Scriptures tell us something fundamentally different, that God became flesh so that even the lowest of us could see and know and reach Him. In fact, what Jesus kept doing in his earthly ministry is the people who thought they were close, he was like, you're so far away. You don't even know it. And the people who thought they were so far away, he's like, it's so close. You don't even know it. It was always twisting it on its head. So if you've ever heard that story of shame that said, you've done something too great, too broken, too messy, your life is too far gone, what the God of the Bible would tell you through the incarnation of the Son of God is you're closer than you could possibly imagine. 
See, the Apostle John reveals to us in the opening of his gospel account this brilliant truth that shifts everything about who God is for us. He says this. He's going to tell us this. He's going to tell us three things. That God became soft. That God became close. But that God also became killable through the incarnation. Look at verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh. It's not overstated to simply say that God became soft. See, the softness of the Son of God is a counterpoint to the rigid and coldness of religion. Religion tells us that God is harsh, that His holiness is unreachable, that He executes judgment and justice over His creation. And while there is truth to this, it is incomplete. If this is all you have ever known about God, much of that may be true, but it is incomplete. Not only is the God of the Bible constantly revealed as the God who loves, the God who delights, the God who is Father. But here John is telling us, he's telling his readers that the incarnation summarizes something about God which we often miss, that God is soft. You see, flesh is soft, isn't it? Flesh is flexible. It's gracious. Of course, God is not soft in that he's a pushover, He's not soft in that he is unjust in the face of sin. Rather, he is soft in that he touches us. He sympathizes with us. He even weeps for and with people. All of this became true when the Son of God took on flesh. In other words, God could not touch us and we could not touch him in the same way that the Son of God was able to when he took on flesh. God could not sympathize. He may have intellectually understood what suffering was, but until the Son of God in the flesh took on pain, he couldn't sympathize at a deep Son of God takes on flesh, and then all of a sudden we have a God who feels us, and we can feel him. He is a God who touches those in need. Matthew 8 says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus could have said it. Jesus could have taken a step back and said, why don't you read the scriptures and just trust and obey and believe and all that, right? What does Jesus do instead? He stretched out his hand and he touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately leprosy was cleansed. Not only can God touch, but God sympathizes with us. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, that is, he took on flesh. Let us hold fast our confession. The writer goes on, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, because God took on flesh. Not only so, not only does he touch, not only does he sympathize, but he also weeps. John 11, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. That's a physical word in the original language. He felt something in his very being, in his gut, in his spirit, and he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And here's what happens. Jesus wept. He wept. See, God became soft through the incarnation. Therefore, in our darkness, in those places where we need some physical contact, some touch, if you will, we need sympathy, we need tears. I don't need an answer. I don't need you to solve my problems sometimes. Have you been there? I just want someone who's going to cry with me. 
Don't could make my life better, right? Or the thing that you did that one time made it better. I just want you to cry with me. This is what the incarnation teaches us, that we have a God who identifies with us in sorrow and in pain, and in him we receive empathy and intimacy from the God who is also holy, lifted up, high, and altogether different from his creation. Do you see something shifts at the incarnation? Not only is God soft, but he also comes close. Look as the writer continues in John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Parenthetically, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's right side. He has made him known. See, God becomes soft, but he also, through the incarnation, became close. Jesus doesn't simply become a human being. He also embraces our humanity. In other words, he enters the human story the same way every human being enters the human story, through the womb of a woman, into a family, into a community, into darkness, into pain, into complexity. Jesus steps into into human history as a part of a family, not a family that was sort of protecting we going to the of this life, but a family who was in the middle of trying to figure out what are we going to do, like every family does when they find out a kid is on the way. What are we going to do? He steps in the same way anyone does. He joins a community. He dwells among us. See, the incarnation is not simply God's willingness to be one of us, but his willingness to be one with us. He doesn't just say, I'll be around too. He says, I'm going to enter what befalls you. I'm going to experience what you experience. I'm going to incarnate different. Something shifts in our understanding of God that he is willing to do this. That's the point of his prophetic name, Emmanuel, which we've already sung a ton about, which means God with us because God is close. See, John is telling us that Jesus moved into our world in actuality. It wasn't a performance. It wasn't a stunt. Through the incarnation, we actually see his glory, the visible display of his worth and beauty, up close and personal. John says his glory shows us that his father, he is his father's son, full of grace like the father, full of truth from the father. These are things that we could have and did even know about God from a distance before the incarnation. But like zooming in on a picture, the incarnation tells us what is apparent from far away is truer than you understood up close. You know what I mean? They say never meet your heroes. Why? Because distance gives us space to not know the truth, right? Distance gives us this kind of allure. It covers up things that closeness reveals. But that's not true with God. Think about it. While his softness reveals his love, his closeness reveals his integrity. He is who he says he was. He does what he says that he will do. What is true at a distance with God is true in relationship with him and in ways that we could not have possibly fathomed without him coming close. The closer God gets, 
You don't have these ideas that were true about him break down. You find out, oh, that's what it meant that he was love. Oh, that's what he meant that he was gracious. Everything that was true comes into focus and HD for us. See, God became knowable through the incarnation. He became close. Jesus is the manifestation of the promises of God. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that he is the radiance of the glory of God. Hear this, the exact imprint of his nature. What is true through the Son is true of the Father. What is true of the Trinity is made knowable, clear, and close through the incarnation of the Son of God. Everything shifts on this for us. So God is soft. God became close, but there's more. See, because he became soft and because he became close in Christ, God also becomes killable. The Son came to earth. He could not hang on a cross. Before he took on flesh, he couldn't suffer physically because blood did not run through his veins. Air was not in his lungs. And so in Christ, he does not simply get close to us, but he takes on this fresh vulnerability that he did not have before. He becomes killable. John goes on to tell us that the forerunner of the Messiah, John the baptizer, begins to bear witness in John 1:29 when he says the next day, He saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is soft. Jesus is close. And as he approaches John the baptizer that day, what does John notice about him? What does he call him? He calls him the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God would have conjured up a wealth of information for John's original readers as much as it would have for the people who heard John say it in the first place that day with Jesus. Today we think of Jesus, the Lamb of God, because he eventually would be the sacrificial Savior on the cross who died in our place and for the sins of humanity. But John the baptizer didn't expect the Messiah to suffer. It's clear in Matthew 11 that John knew the Messiah was coming, but he didn't know exactly how he was going to show up. See, we could have expected this one to come for generations, but we're still shocked when he shows up. I don't care how many times you tell me that God is close when you're suffering. When he's with me in my suffering, it takes on whole new meaning. Are you with me? I could have expected that. I knew that cognitively, but all of a sudden the Messiah is here and John is like, this doesn't fit in the box I expected. You could have seen Jesus coming for generations and the box that you prepared for him to fit in would get shattered just as much. See, and so likely what is in John's mind, what's in his head when he is calling him Jesus, the Lamb of God, is what D.A. Carson says, this apocalyptic lamb and warrior lamb found in much of Jewish literature. In other words, John's pointing at him and saying, he's about to make, set things to right. He's about to destroy the bad. He's about to put, go fisticuffs with the Romans. He's about to make everything better. He's about to make evil. He was going to execute judgment and justice and destruction That tells us how unexpected and beautiful and powerful and altogether different that language of the Lamb would take on for you and me today. He's soft, he's close, and he saves not through destruction and conquest, but through vulnerability and death. He becomes killable. This is so different. This is so fundamentally different than anything we could have expected. See, Isaiah, though, also probably was more right than he understood when he said in Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb, he says, that is led to the slaughter 
and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You see, in Christ, God became killable. The way Jesus has entered the world teaches us then much about how you and I are meant to inhabit or to navigate this world. So the question for us, or rather the questions for us, are you soft towards your neighbors? Or are you fearful of them? Are you over them in judgment, or are you soft towards them in service and love? Are you drawing close to those around you, or do you sit arm's length apart on Twitter and go, I already figured you out, I don't need to know anything about you? Do you live with sacrificial love or a kind of community that's good for you as long as it doesn't cost you anything? See, the incarnation begins to critique the way we think we're supposed to follow Christ. The first advent, the arrival of God in the flesh, is all about Him, but it's also a mission statement about what it means for us to be human, what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. We are meant to be a people who are soft. We are meant to be a people who are knowable. We are meant to be a people, even killable, for the least and the last and the lost. Can you even imagine a people who would live like that? And if it's costly, for the sake of my neighbor, for the sake of my spouse, for the sake of my brother or sister, I'm not going to cling on to the powers of this world. I'm going to hold open and trust there's a power greater than anything I could hold on to. See, religion would have you believe, and have me believe, that we would be morally pure and removed from the world, that this is what makes us righteous, staying away from messy people and messy things. That's religion. Keep your nose clean. Keep your reputation tight. But Jesus would have us see that morality is predicated upon your love for messy people, your love for the mess, your willingness to engage in what we might describe as the messy and irreligious places of this world. See, religion tells us that God is harsh, that he is strange, and that he is invulnerable. But Jesus, through the incarnation, tells us that God became touchable. He became relatable. He became vulnerable. God became flesh. The incarnation sets Christianity apart from every other worldview and every other way of life. See, modern people act like gods who are trying to find themselves. And modern religion tells us that we're supposed to look for a prophet that's going to point us to God. But as Tim Keller has observed, that the founders of every major religion said, I'm a prophet who shows you how to find God. But Jesus taught, I'm God, come to find you. He takes on flesh. The incarnation is the grace of God revealed. So you see, Advent begins in darkness, but Jesus Christ is the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness has to flee. It has not overcome it, because we have a God who actually lived through the dark, who died in the dark, and rose from the dead in victory over Satan, sin, and death, so that we could know and love feel the embrace and relationship with the God of the universe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is much summarized in the simplicity and the beauty of this truth that God became flesh. Forgive us for how often we miss the implications of it. 
And so help us, equip us, empower us to see not simply you differently, but because we see you differently as the God who is soft, the God who is close, and the God who became killable on our behalf. That that would change the way we see ourselves and our call, what it means to be a good neighbor, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a colleague, a son, a daughter, a friend. what it means to be a spouse or a parent. Forgive us for the ways we are so self-protective. Forgive us for the ways we are so judgmental. Forgive us for the ways that we have embraced a cold and faceless religion that you came to destroy. And so we thank you that in a fresh way, every year, every season is meant to be a wake-up call for us, a a renovation of the heart so that we once again would recall that our God is not a God who is simply high and holy and lifted up. He is also the God who is with us, the God who became soft, the God who became close, and the God who was killable who died in our place and then rose in victory over Satan's sin and death. May we live with that renewed joy today, that renewed perspective today, that renewed hope today for your glory, our good and the good of our neighbors and the least and the last and the lost in this whole world. So may your light come, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing together.